Welcome to The Spread, Manure Manager's monthly podcast. Together with leading experts, we're bringing you the most pressing topics in nutrient management as we aim to grow the industry together through knowledge, innovation, and collaboration. Manure Manager is North America's source for manure handling insights. Visit manuremanager.com slash subscribe to receive the latest industry information straight to your inbox or mailbox. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Chrissy Smoterman. She is a University of Minnesota Extension educator. Welcome to the spread, Chrissy. Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, you've been uh, writing for Manure Manager for a very long time, but uh, it's, it's always interesting when we get to winter, which, um, you know, there's no such thing as an off-season in agriculture, but winter is obviously a very different time. So right now, it is November 19th. Can you give us a little bit of context as to what uh, the kind of weather is like right now in, uh, in Minnesota, where you are, and uh, what you're seeing in terms of uh, activity? It's cold. I, I say that as a Minnesotan, which might be a southern climate to many of your listeners. <laughs> uh, we Sometimes I think of Minnesota, though, as Minitoba, <laughs> maybe a little bit part of Canada in some ways, especially when you get up in, that, in those northern regions. But it's, it's cold. The ground is um, frozen or just about frozen, depending on where you are. It varies a lot from northern Minnesota to southern Minnesota. But... People are mostly wrapping up manure applications. Things are kind of winding down. We're kind of moving to the off season. Mm -hmm. So now that things are, uh, now that things are slowing down in terms of application, if you're an applicator or if you're, um, you know, a farmer owner who does their own applications, what's kind of the first thing that you're going to want to look at once this application is finished? Well, first of all, take a breath. Just take a moment, pat yourself on the back for a great successful fall application season. Uh, I have a, a local custom applicator who told me that at the end of spreading season, his brain is just jello. He's got jello brain. He can't think about fall or he can't think about spring. He can't think about the possibility of doing more. His brain is done. So take a minute, you know, take some time to focus on other things. Get your fish house ready for ice fishing season. Prep your snowblower. Maybe hang some lights. And then once your jello brain starts to congeal a little bit, and you can start setting your sights on spring. And when you do that, first thing to do is wrap up fall, right? You've probably got a pile of papers sitting on your table <laughs> from your records and your uh, fall application. So just organize everything, get your records in order, your files from last year, and take a look at your manure management plan. So manure management plans kind of vary based on where you are, what your supposed to do what your rules and regulations have you do. So it might be a formal sheet. Like in Minnesota, we have created by the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, a really great uh, manure um, management planner. And it's an Excel spreadsheet and it's got a ton of tabs. You can plan out a six-year phosphorus plan. You can um, plan out your applications and have all your records and data and it does calculations for you. It's great. Or your plan might be a little more informal. Maybe it's a more of a ledger style, something you've written down, but you need to take a look at that and um, start making some spring plans and do some manure accounting. I mean, no CPA necessary. So look at your storage, for example. How much storage are you going to have come late April? How much, so how much manure will you need to spread to get you through the summer then? So how much needs to go out in spring? And to do that, you're going to have to plan some application rates, look at your nutrient analyses, 
those sorts of things. Um, remember to factor in any nitrogen credits from the previous year so you get your accurate application rate that you, that you have. And then think about some contingency plans. So if we have a wet spring, which we had, I, I think of the year 2019 often because that was such a wet fall, such a wet spring. And it was a struggle for a lot of Minnesota farmers. Um, so do you have a plan for, for moving that manure that needs to get spread? Or do you have ways to expand storage? Do you have a neighbor that you might be able to transfer manure to? That sort of thing. Um, if you're looking to increase your land base, you might considering might uh, you might consider partnering up with a crops only farmer, maybe perhaps. Commercial fertilizer prices are soaring right now; they're so high. There are some crops only people that are thinking like, hmm, maybe this manure thing might be a good idea. Um, so you might be able to strike up a deal with a crops farmer looking for um, you know other nutrient sources. So that's kind of the first thing, wrap your head around your manure management plan and make a plan for spring. Uh, so here in southern or uh, southwestern Ontario this year, we actually had a relatively late harvest, which was due to a few factors, but mainly the fact that it was a bit of a wet summer, especially in the late summer, early fall. Um, what were what were the uh, conditions around that time in uh, Minnesota or uh, Minitoba, as you say, and um, how did it affect uh, harvest and kind of the scheduling of everything and how might that affect things going forward? So around here we had early fall was pretty good. We had a very dry summer. We had a drought. Um, one of in some areas of the state, one of the driest summers for a very long time. And so going into fall, everyone assumed that it was going to maybe stay that way. Not everyone, but, you know, and our harvest came off pretty well. Early fall manure applications went pretty well. And then we got wet a little bit and it rained and then it rained some more. And people are telling me like, man, if I can just get, you know, two or three more full days in the field, I'll be done, totally done. And they had to wait a week and then wait another week. And it just kind of drug on a little bit. And some people, I would say most people got all the manure spread that they needed to, but maybe larger operations or maybe some commercial applicators maybe didn't get 100% of what they wanted to spread on. And so that's got to go into that plan. When you look at the spring, you need to figure out um, where that manure needs to go, which fields need it, which fields don't need it. If you've got high phosphorus levels or something, maybe pick a different field. What are some ways now to uh, make the most of this winter uh, as it relates to your manure management plans? Um, well, so after you've reviewed your, your, um, your manure management plan, you've made a plan and that sort of thing. Another thing you should do uh, kind of in tandem with the manure management plan is to create an emergency action plan. So this is a list of emergency contacts and protocols in case an accident happens. Um, we're always big on farm safety around here, everyone should be. And then also make sure you have the numbers that need to be contacted and the protocols that need to happen if a manure spill happens. That way you have it all in one spot, especially if you have employees or you know work with your uncle or cousins or something like that. So everyone's on the same page. And if something happens, you're not like, oh no, what do I do? You have a, a protocol, you have who to call, you have what to do. Um, and then uh, for, I'm gonna make one point on sample. There's, one tip that I often don't hear about, I talk about sampling a lot, but one thing 
is when you're taking your sample, when you're taking your many, many samples to mix together or your analysis, use a clean bucket. <laughs> use a clean bucket or clean out your bucket. I mean, I don't have new fresh buckets sitting around to sample my manure in, but uh, someone sent me a liquid manure uh, test result that had 800 pounds of nitrogen per thousand gallons, which is nuts. And he said, that can't be right. And I was like, oh, absolutely. That can't be right. What happened? So either the lab made an error or something else happens. Well, it turns out he had used a bucket that he used to store some um, extra urea in. And I mean, the urea was gone. It looked like a clean bucket to him, but it was not. And it ended up spiking his nitrogen levels and it ended up really high. So that's my one thing on sampling. I won't harp on sampling too that's much. Great. <laughs> Can you imagine like what would my application be with 800 pounds of nitrogen? That's nuts. Um, so uh, when we think about Coming to spring, um, and you, in, you know, in spring you want to apply to cool soils. You want to apply before the soils get up to fifty degrees, or there's a, a a crop growing there to use the nutrients you have. Because at fifty degrees or higher, the nitrification process is faster. You're more likely to lose your nitrogen through denitrification and that sort of thing. So in spring we've got this this tight rope to walk you know, between waiting for the ground to thaw and then also not making a muddy mess and it being too wet and, you know, ruining planting season. Because planting is what's important, right? We care about, I mean, manure is important too. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, our crop is, is our money, is our, is our income, that sort of thing. So um, I want to remind you, please try to avoid winter manure applications. So there are people that still do daily scrape and haul and where you are might, where, where you are geographically is going to impact whether you even can apply in the winter. Some places you, you can't do that, especially with, with liquid manure. Um, some have specific months that you can't. Um, pretty much if you can't incorporate it into the soil, if the soil's frozen, you're gonna lose a lot, a lot of those nutrients as a runoff. Uh, the Minnesota Discovery Farms Network did a study and it showed in Minnesota um, that 40% of all of the runoff that happens in a year happens in just two months. And those are February and March and that's snowmelt and thaw. So if you apply manure on top of that, you're going to lose a lot of those nutrients. Um, you might end up, you know, causing some nutrient pollution and we want to avoid that at all costs. And then uh, the Final thing I have to mention for, um, for this off season and thinking about what you want to do is, you know, keep up with your equipment maintenance. If you have a, a shed to, that's warm and a nice place to work, pay close attention to valves and hoses that might break. We want to avoid spills. And, you know, if you order early enough, you know, you can have things ordered in, you can have plenty of time to tinker and play with your equipment and, Make it just perfect so you're ready to roll when springtime comes around. Christine, I think you might be a mind reader because I was going to ask if you had any notes about specific things to look at on equipment or even things like uh, tire pressure or whatever. You know, how do you evaluate your needs for equipment uh, going into the spring? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's not. I, I don't have a checklist for you of specific things to check, but 
you know, any anything operational, um, valves, meters, in the, I always think of the liquid systems. Your pumping equipment sometimes gets overlooked when you, you're just thinking about your spreading equipment, but your, you know, spills happen at the pump too. And not just spills, you want to make sure everything's working efficiently and effectively, that you're not bogged down in equipment repairs when you should be rolling, spreading on the field. Super. Well, that's all the questions we have. But Christise, before we let you go, is there anything you wanted to plug for our listeners? Anything you think they should read or check out or some, uh, I guess, fun winter reading for them? <laughs> fun winter reading. So a really cool tool that Minnesota has. Now, I know it might not be relevant for, for many people, but it's the runoff risk advisory forecast. So it's this model that the Minnesota Department of Agriculture created that pulls in data from all over the state, from different weather stations, from different soil monitoring stations, and puts it all on a map so you can see soil temperature, so you know when the soil's gonna hit 50 degrees. You can also see uh, predicted precipitation for snow, for rain, you, so you can um, tell when there's gonna be a high runoff risk. And you can even sign up for alerts. I get an alert on my phone. I get a text saying like, your area has a high risk for runoff today. Maybe wait on spreading your manure. Wow. So that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that is a really cool tool. Um, it is only in Minnesota now. Wisconsin also has one, but um, it's, it's just nice to have one place to look at to bring everything together. Yeah, well, hopefully that can expand. All right, thank you so much, Chrisice. Thank you. Thanks again to Chrisice. We also spoke with Melissa Wilson. You might know Melissa on Twitter as the Manure Prof because Melissa is a passionate assistant professor and extension specialist at the University of Minnesota in manure management and water quality. She loves all things manure and nutrient management. So she came to give us the lowdown on how to make the most of your sampling this winter. Check it out. So welcome everyone, welcome back. We're joined with Melissa Wilson. Melissa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you work with manure every day? Yeah, my name is Melissa Wilson. I'm at the University of Minnesota in the United States and I'm the manure management specialist. I'm an assistant professor, so I do some research, but I'm also in the extension arm of the university as well. So I work directly with farmers, regulatory or other agency staff who work with manure um, etc. So I yeah work with manure on a daily basis, not necessarily hand to hand, but we do a lot of research. Like for now, we're actually doing getting a lot of harvest and getting some manure applied as well. Great. All kinds yeah. of things. Yeah, well, I was going to say that I know that uh, now I'm. Uh, this will shock no one, but I am not a farmer myself. But I do know from my work that spring application does tend to be a bit more popular than fall application. But as we're getting into these cooler months, um, what are kind of the biggest things that um, that people are worrying about or looking over right now with their manure management? Yeah, there's a couple things. One is always keeping an eye on the weather because you want to try to apply in decent ground conditions because if it's really wet, you have to worry about compaction. So people are obviously keeping an eye to the skies. A couple other things. One are trying to nutrient test. So if you're out in the field, getting your manure spread, getting a couple subsamples and putting them in like a big bucket or something, 
And then mixing that all up and getting a smaller sample from that mixture and sending it into a lab is a really great way to understand what you applied this particular year. And that can hopefully help you manage your nutrient management planning for future years. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, you had mentioned when we spoke before the podcast that winter is a really good time to kind of take this opportunity to reflect on the past application season, maybe doing some testing. Um, what are what are some ways that um, I guess, or what are some things that might show up in testing and ways that people can kind of interpret that, act on that, maybe make some uh, make some tweaks as they head into the spring? That is the one great thing about testing, especially if you're applying in the fall, because you'll get some of the test results back by the spring and you can make adjustments as needed. For instance, some of the things that might change kind of drastically, depending on how, if you're like in a liquid manure, how well it was agitated. And sometimes even with solid manures, depending on where if you got hot spots or not is phosphorus because phosphorus, especially in the liquid systems tends to settle to the bottom. So if you didn't get it mixed well enough, then that might still be sitting at the bottom and then you'll have less phosphorus than you expected. And the nice thing about knowing that is then you can, um, once you know your soil test values, if you need to apply commercial phosphorus fertilizer, you can do that. And the same with the nitrogen too. If you had less nitrogen than you were expecting based on previous um, tests that you did, you can potentially adjust with the spring fertilizer application or even side dress or something like that um, to meet those nutrient needs, but still kind of taking into account what you applied with manure. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned, you know, eye, eyes to the skies and how can, um, how can weather and kind of understanding our change in climate, um, what are some of the ways that weather might affect your future planning for applications, including, including rates? That's always, the weather is always a tricky thing. The first two years when I was in my job, I started in 2017. So it was that 2018 and 2019. Rem in Minnesota was really, really wet, like record-breaking wet. I remember thinking in 2018, like, okay, I can't get any worse than that. And then 2019 was somehow worse. So that can really impact how much manure can be put out because you can't you know, flood the fields with manure or you have to worry about compaction and that sort of thing. So that can help you decide knowing if you're going to have wet conditions and you're not going to be able to put out as much as you expected. You can then start planning for the spring. What are your backup plans for where you're going to get that manure applied? Um, Or in this case in Minnesota, where we are now, we're actually in a drought year where it's been really, really dry. And there is a concern that there's a lot of nitrogen left over in the fields because there was hardly any rain to move it anywhere. So we have to consider how we're applying manure to not kind of oversaturate the soil, get even more nitrogen sitting there than we expect, especially if we end up having a wet spring where that all those extra nutrients might wash away. So it's always kind of a balancing game, thinking about weather and what you can do to get the manure applied. Because I know, you know, you have manure, you got to get it applied. You can't just let it sit indefinitely anywhere. Mm-hmm. And if weather, um, whether it's dryness or the opposite, since a lot of people were dealt, I know the Northeast in some places dealt with just torrential downpours this year, um, there's there's the rate of the manure. Are there also um, alterations people might want to make to say even like, the machinery that they're getting out there on the field, like, um, I guess how big of a problem is, is compaction just from machinery alone right now? Yeah. With, with wet conditions, it can be a big, um, concern. 
we have one educator in Minnesota that talks about some of the adjustments you can make, like make sure your tires are pumped up. I think it's about 10 to 15 PSI in the field. If you can get them down that low and they should be higher if you're running on the road. So making those adjustments as you get into the field can be really important and trying to kind of spread the load over a wider area. So even thinking about if you have the ability to change out tires, thinking about wider widths and you know more axles. If you're looking to purchase something, you might want to look at getting more axles just to kind of distribute that load more evenly instead of having it in kind of two points in the field, especially with heavy tankers. For sure. Uh, now, other things, you know, winter is uh, obviously not the most active time in the field, but it's a great way to, great time to be proactive, maybe do some researching behind the scenes. Now, you mentioned that your group is building a national manure nutrient database for the U.S. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about what your goals are and what you're working on there? Yeah, one of the things that was interesting to me when I started my job is that everyone talks about book values, right? Like this is how much nitrogen you can expect in swine manure. This is how much in poultry litter, et cetera. But when I really dug into it, all of those numbers are really old, like from the early 2000s. So there's been a lot of advancements recently with, you know, there's more poultry and uh, swine producers are using phytase, which helps um, the animals digest phosphorus a little better. So, you know, less comes out the back end then. There's just all kinds of things like that that have changed in our diet. So you can expect that there's going to be changes in what comes out of the back end too. So we wanted to update those numbers, one. And two, in the U.S., we have all these labs who are analyzing manure all across the country. It seemed like a really useful place for us to start to get some of these averages. Again, if you look back at how they did averages before, it might have been like, you know, this one study collected 20 samples across the Midwest, and then that became the book value. So we think that we can have way more accurate book values, maybe for even each state, depending on what labs we can get to participate. Um, but that's the goal is to kind of have more up-to-date, reflect reality for these manure nutrients across the country. Great. And uh, those uh, who are listening right now, um, how can they access it uh, if uh, when it goes live, if it's not already? <laughs> Yeah, not quite already. Um, we're working on the programming. And interestingly, it's been really fun working with some of the labs that have already kind of joined up with us. They, it is so different what everyone collects, what information they collect about the manure. So we've had to really like think about, you know, for the good of the community, the manure user community, what information do we need to collect and what would be helpful for people who want to use the information uh, for instance, like the labs are actually interested because they want to be able to kind of benchmark their performance with other labs in their region. So that's one user community. And then we have farmers and crop consultants that might want to know um, specifically like, okay, if, I, if I'm building a barn, for instance, what can I expect the nutrient content to look like for a swine finishing barn versus a sow barn? Um, so Right now, a lot of the labs, we have just pig, like that's, we get swine. We don't necessarily separate it out into what kind of barn it came from. So just kind of coming to a consensus on what kind of information do we need for all the various people who want to have manure nutrient information? What do we need from the labs or to collect from their customers? So we're working on it. It is still coming, but it'll probably be available through University of Minnesota. We'll, um, be broadcasting that. And I think in the US, the NRCS, we're working with them to 
to kind of use this and uh, broadcast it and publicize it as well. Yeah, and we'll see if any Canadian labs are listening, uh, for sure. Uh, is it safe to say get in touch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to work out. I'm sure there'll be different agreements because of the international boundaries, but I'm sure we can work something out. For sure, manure is, after all, a global thing. Well, before we say goodbye, is there anything else you want to share about how um, farmers, uh, consultants, uh, anyone in charge of manure management, how they can make the most of this colder season? Yeah, I would say, I guess the other thing I haven't touched on is to think about your equipment in the colder season. If it seemed like you had some sort of applications which ended up heavy on one side of the bar or light on the other side of the bar, or if you're doing a solid spreader and it seemed like it wasn't spreading super evenly, thinking about what adjustments you can make now over the winter is always better than doing it last minute before you get started back up in the spring. Of course, yeah, it's better to plan ahead. Well, thank you so much, Melissa Wilson, and thank you for being our first guest on The Spread. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much to both Melissa and Chrissy's. We understand that it's important to hear straight from the experts on issues such as testing, sampling, and adjusting your nutrient management plans. That's why we're coming back with more content in one month. We're going to be bringing you expert perspectives rooted in a passion for manure management. Check back for updates on manuremanager.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brie Rohde, and this has been The Spread.